the adventures of a librarian turned sniper, Liberty Schoenhauer, who finds that aliens started the zombie apocalypse. These things happen. She is aided by the great Uncle Danny Toughest Nails, and together they try and save as many people in the book Liberty's Run. Book one is out now at Amazon and Mythmart, and book two is coming soon in August. And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Welcome to My Public Life as an American Nerd, the podcast that's a 10, but only likes playing single-player video games. I'm your host, Kevin, and thank you for joining me today. Um, we have a really, really fun show, Some a lot of stuff to talk about, so let's let's get to it. Uh, so for those of you guys who don't um, didn't get the uh, earlier reference, um, there's kind of been this meme going around uh, Twitter and all these places. Um they're a 10, but inserts thing here. They don't like horror movies. They don't read comic books. They, um, you know, all these things. Anyways, uh, EA, wonderful EA, our favorite uh, video game company in the world, Electronic Arts, uh, they decided to get in on that. And they um, they put out that tweet. Uh, they're a 10, but they only like playing single player games. Now, as you could imagine... This not only grew angered, not angered, but I think a lot of people were just confused because EA is pretty well known for its uh, its uh, shady practices when it comes to regards of multiplayer gaming and you know putting all these uh, price tags on these loot boxes and things like that. Uh, specifically with uh, their Star Wars uh, Battlefield, uh, specifically Battlefield Two. Um, but they sent out that tweet, and man, Twitter went ablaze, uh, especially from from uh, you know video game uh, developers, uh, specifically uh, Zach Mombach, who's a former producer at uh, Visceral Games, which was a studio that was closed by EA in 2017. The tweet he sent out uh, is basically—I'm going to read it real quick because it's. Um, it's 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 true. Uh, this is the company that shut down my studio and laid off 100 great developers because we were making a single player game. Also, if you break game rating scores down to a 10 point scale, most EA games are a solid six or seven, not because the developers are bad, but because EA, the corporation, forces them to rush games out. EA corporate leadership wouldn't know what a 10 looks like in terms of video games. Now. EA, they put out some great games, right? They've put out some pretty awesome stuff. Uh, they more, you know, you know, they've they've come out with some really really cool stuff. <clears throat> uh, the company's growth as a whole has been primarily achieved by doubling down on multiplayer live service games and finding new ways to monetize them enough through elaborate microtransaction shops, season passes, and loot boxes. That comes from a video game website. Uh, Kotaku. Um, and 
yeah, I mean, EA has been known for that for years and they've been, you know, pushing out these multiplayer games where you have to make, you know, micro microtransactions are the name of the game. Um, they even, uh, you know, th uh, this comes from a website called darkhorizons.com. Uh, if you guys haven't checked out that website, it's a really, really great website, movie news, TV news, all kinds of great stuff. Um, but I don't know if you guys remember, there was supposed to be a single player Star Wars game from uh, the uh, original Uncharted trilogy writer, Amy Henning. Uh, this was, it sounded really cool. A lot of people were really excited they totally scrapped that idea to release Battlefront 2 uh, with its pay-to-win loot boxes. And that kind of blew up. And with their style and everything, they kind of messed things up a little bit with that. So uh, a lot of controversy happened because of that game. Um, and it even drew, you know, legislation, you know, legislative scrutiny, um, you know, the, the courts started to get involved and started talking about these transactions and stuff. It was akin to gambling, things like that. So um, they're still going through that till this day. Um, and it's also, you know, as, as this site points out, it, it is baffling because some of their, their, their biggest games, um, you know, from companies that work for them, like BioWare's Mass Effect and Dragon Age franchises, the Dead Space, Crisis, and SSX franchises, and the likes of Mirror's Edge, Titanfalls 2, The Sims, and more recently, the aforementioned Fallen Order. All those games are single-player games, and those tend to be the most successful for them. Um, and they're more recent multiplayer efforts, including Anthem, Battlefield 5, and Battlefield 2042, have drawn stern criticism and some of the worst user scores ever seen on aggregate sites like Metacritic. Uh, following the outrage, EA tweeted, roast well-deserved. We'll take this L because playing single-player games actually makes them an 11, which is absolutely true. I'm a single-player game fan, not really big into multiplayer, but hey, let us know what you guys think. Um, you know, I know a lot of people love multiplayer games and there's nothing wrong with that. There's a sense of community and a great sense of uh, of belonging in there. So, yes, I just kind of, you know, I don't mean to start out on a negative note, but sometimes these things just need to be said, and they're really fun to talk about. Um, but let's let's switch gears quite a bit. As of yesterday, the movie Airplane is as old as I am. Well, not quite. It's got a couple weeks on me, um, but it was released uh, July 2nd, 1980, became 42. The movie's a classic. The movie's great. Um, so funny. Obviously, if you guys haven't seen it, go seen it. But I think most of us have seen it by now. Probably if you're listening to this podcast, you have probably seen Airplane. Um, just one of the greats, Leslie Nelson. Um, just a fantastic cast. Turns 42 yesterday. Fans were ablaze. Fine. Fans were blowing up Twitter, Facebook. So happy birthday to Airplane. And uh, it's it's a prime example of how movie spoofs should be done. If anyone needs to see like the perfect movie to learn how to write a spoof, to um, know how to um, make a spoof, to understand a spoof movie, go watch Airplane because it's, it's a classic. Um, Talk about Ghostbusters, guys. There's more Ghostbusters on the way. Listen, listen. Afterlife was mostly good, about 80% good. It was the last, the last, you know, quarter of it that just kind of 
I just didn't, I just didn't vibe with man. It just didn't stick with me. I had some really, really cool moments. The nostalgia was there. Everything was great. Um, but it just, it just felt forced. It just felt forced. It didn't feel like natural for these characters and for the story they were telling. Um, but with that being said, I'm excited where the series is going now. Uh, so we had the original two movies back in the eighties. Then we had a, the all female reboot, the Paul Feig, Feige, Paul Feig, sorry, the Paul Feig version, which had some great, uh, which had a fantastic cast and was just, you know, I, th- I thought it was, I thought it was unfairly maligned, but anyways, uh, we're not going to talk about that right now, but then they totally kind of scrapped anything they were going to do with that and came out uh, director Ivan Reitman's son, Jason Reitman came out with his own star Wars um, or star Wars. What the heck? I'm looking at my screen right here. Sorry. I apologize to anyone watching, listening ghostbusters. He made his own ghostbusters movie, uh, afterlife, uh, great cast. The original cast came back. It had, um, Finn Wolfhard from stranger things had a really, really great cast of young actors. And, um, like I said, it worked until the end, but it still was a good movie. Like I really, really enjoyed it. And now they've announced that a sequel for that will be hitting theaters at the end of 2023. Um, I think we're all excited for it. I'm very curious how they're going to go. They they have, you know, judging from the end of Afterlife, sorry, if you haven't seen it, there will be some spoilers. Um, you know, they kind of ended at the firehouse again, you know, with some, some um, hint as to where it's going to go. And um yeah, the, they've said that this time it's going to be a New York story, which is awesome. They're going back to the to the well again to be in New York, which is awesome. And I think they can tell so many, so many great stories. I just want them to move forward now and not focus too much on the past and how the past kind of affected them. Um, you know, because these, these um, legacy sequels have been... Um, these legacy sequels have been kind of hit or miss, obviously, you know, I think what makes a great legacy sequel is the ability to kind of still focus on what happened in the past, but move on from that, not be stuck in the past. Top Gun Maverick is a perfect example of what a legacy sequel should be. Um, No Way Home, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home also kind of did it right. Um, I feel like they did in a very cool way. I just hope that this movie, this new Ghostbusters movie doesn't get stuck in the trap of the first one when focusing too much on the um, the past and just moving forward into the future. So I'm excited for it. We'll see what happens. Um, I think it's it's going to be great. Uh, um, you know, Jason Reitman's coming back and it's all just going to be going to be a lot of fun. So earlier this week, Disney announced or they released the first trailer for the, gosh, I want to say this movie has been long awaited, but I'm not sure how many people have been awaiting it. I know there's a very, very, very dedicated fan base of um, this movie, of the original movie, especially around Halloween time. That's right. I'm talking about Hocus Pocus 2. Um, Original cast coming back again, Bette Midler. Um, Gosh, I'm blanking on everybody's name today. Sarah Jessica Parker and Kathy Nimenjay, I believe that's her name. But anyways, they're all coming back. Uh, it's a sequel. It sees the return of the Sanderson sisters in Salem, Massachusetts. 
the original uh, film was made in the 90s, made for TV Disney movie, um, but it really blew up. It became a holiday tradition for a lot of people, including my family. We watch it every single Halloween and every single Halloween, I realize how well it has not particularly held up, but it's still a lot of fun. We really enjoy it. Our kids love it too. It's just a lot of fun. And you have Jinx the cat and like all these really, really cool things going on. Um, Salem, sorry. No Jinx. Oh, that's right. Um, but it's, um, yeah, so that sequel is coming out in September. So just in time for Halloween. So everyone, you could do a double feature. You can watch the first one and the second one, and then you can, you know, just make it a day. They're both on, they're all on Disney plus. So it's going to be a lot of fun this Halloween. So keep an eye out for that. If you haven't seen the trailer yet, obviously you can find it on YouTube. They've also released some posters and things like that to go with it. Speaking of Disney, let's talk about Disney a little bit because this announcement's been in the wind for a long time, for a couple of years now, um, but it's finally coming to fruition. We finally have a date when it's going to take place. This is not movie related per se. Um, this is theme park, Disney theme park news. Um, so I, I, I want to take you guys back a little bit because I kind of feel like it's weird that I have to defend my position on this um, because I'm excited for it. But um, I feel like people hear that I'm excited uh, for certain things and then they think, oh, you just didn't like that other thing to begin with. And it's like, no, that's not the case. Um, so I'll get into what I'm talking about, but I just kind of want to take you guys back a little bit to the 80s. I was born in 1980. Um and I remember going to Disneyland as a kid, and I, I specifically remember going to Disneyland around 88, 89, and I was a kid, right? I was like eight or nine, one of my earliest memories at Dis at the parks. I remember going, uh, you know, you pass, you know, New Orleans Square, you go into Critter Country a little bit, and you look to your left, this massive, massive mountain, can't miss it, right? It's just open, it's big, water rushing down it. Um, but when I went, you know, what I remember is going before it was even open, right? I think the water was kind of rolling and maybe it was getting ready to open. I don't remember the specifics, but I remember the board, the, um, the surrounding air, the big gate around it saying, you know, I don't, I don't remember if they used to say pardon our pixie dust like they do now, but back then, you know, you had the big barricades and say coming soon, splash mountain across, you know, big letters, a flume ride, very, very fun. Like I was super, super stoked. I remember going not long after it opened, probably within the first few weeks, going back, waiting in line for hours. Like we're talking four or five hours to get on this thing. One of the funnest, greatest experiences of my life. I remember getting on Splash Mountain for the first time. Um, it was such a cool ride. It was the first time I think I'd ever, it wasn't my first flume ride. Cause I remember Knott's Berry Farm had that, that, that flu ride, flume ride and maybe a couple other places, but this was the first kind of flume roller coaster that I felt like I had gotten on. This one had a theme. It had it was dark ride elements it had characters. It was totally different than anything I had ever experienced in my life. And it was a water ride. We got really wet. It was really hot. Um, and that moment stuck with me. It's, 
easily one of my top three Disney attractions of all time, like easily, like just great. I love the music. I love the vibe. I love the feeling of the ride. Song of the South, obviously a very problematic movie. I have seen it. I have seen, you know, I remember seeing it somehow in the eighties, but I also, you know, know you can, you know, you can find it on YouTube. Um, I didn't say that though, but watch clips here and there. Obviously very, very problematic, has some issues. Um, but I can appreciate the artistry behind it and what they were accomplishing when they made that movie, right? The live action and the animation combined wasn't something that was happening too much back then. Uh, so it was revolutionary for that. Um, and it had a cast of, of black actors and actresses, um, which was also something that wasn't really heard of at the time either. Um, and these were fun stories told by Uncle Remus about, you know, Br'er Bear, Br'er Rabbit, Br'er Fox. Either way, it's still, you know, the way they treated some of the characters, the stereotypes, things like that. You can say it was of the time. You can say it was this or that. But either way, it's it's problematic now. So, so um, but I don't think that's why they are particularly doing this. Uh, Splash Mountain has been an institution at Disney parks for a long, long, long time. Um, they have the merchandise sells like crazy. People love these characters, even connected to the movie or not. They kind of associate, I think most people obviously associate these characters with the ride as opposed to the movie. They don't even think about the movie when they get on the ride because it's just a fun adventure through the Br'er Patch. Um, a couple years ago, they announced that it was going to be rethemed to match character to uh, Princess and the Frog. Um, now, I, I, I am very excited for this for and Princess and the Frog is a very sentimental to me as well movie to me as well because obviously I saw it as an adult, um, but there's a couple reasons why it really sticks in my head as, as one of the um, a very important movie in Disney's um, catalog. Uh, a, it was the first Disney movie to feature a black princess in Tiana and a prominently you know, black community in New Orleans back in the, uh, back in the day. Um, and that was very, very, uh, even the music, you know, harkened back to um, things like Louis Armstrong and, and things like that. The type of music that was very permanent, pertinent in that area, especially in the South uh, during those times. But secondly, it was the very last hand-drawn animated Disney movie. Uh, growing up, I wanted to be an animator. Uh, Splash Mountain and Disney had a huge, huge, huge part in that inspiration. Around 88, 89 was when I really, really knew that's what I wanted to do. Uh, it was also when movies like The Little, uh, you know, the Little Mermaid had come out. The Little Mermaid was a total it just smacked me in the face. And it was like, this is what I want to do with my life. So I learned how to draw. I drew every single Disney character I could think of. I learned how to draw all of them. Um, and this was a dream of mine until I was about 1920. And then unfortunately, real life hit. And I started to work these jobs and, and that kind of hit the wayside. Um, but the ride, you know, and, and Princess and the Frog in general, you know, being the last hand-drawn animated Disney movie, um, very sentimental to me because of that reason. Uh, it's the end of an era and it's the end of, you know, it's the beginning of a new era with, you know, all these CG movies that we see, Tangled, uh, Wreck-It Ralph, 
uh, Frozen, Moana, all this stuff. Um, but if it wasn't for the hand-drawn era, obviously we wouldn't have any of the new stuff. Anyways, I digress. Uh, Princess and the Frog, very good movie. And, and this was something that's I feel like has been in the works for a long time. Uh, there will be people out there who say it's um, for certain reasons they're changing it to princess and the frog. I don't buy any of that because there were times when me and my wife, we used to have annual passes and we would be in line waiting for splash mountain. And we'd hear people talking about it, whispers, rumbling, people would be talking about, Hey, wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't it be cool? This would be kind of interesting. You know, when there were debates, not debates, but uh, people talking about um, how, you know, it, it might be interesting to to give a new generation of people a new version of the ride, something that they can relate to, something that they can go home and watch the movie right after or before and get excited for the attraction. And of course, Princess and the Frog was the perfect fit. It had the vibe, you know, New Orleans Square. It's right outside of New Orleans Square. Um, so obviously, New Orleans, Princess and the Frog. It makes sense. Um and to me, it's it's something that's been kind of rumored for a long, long time. When they announced it, the announcement of it um, and the timing of it made people think this other thing. And I don't believe any 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 bit of it. And I think if you did any research, you would find out that that's not why they are doing this. Um, I'm excited. Listen, it's going to be called uh, Tiana's Bayou Adventure, which I think is an interesting name. Not the best name I could think of. Uh, one name I saw on YouTube was um, uh, Bayou Splash or something to incorporate Splash Mountain into it and not, um, you know, Disney has a history of trying not to, um, I guess, alienate their audience. So what happens is, you know, little boys here, Tiana's Bayou Adventure, and they assume, Disney assumes that little boys aren't going to want to ride this ride because of that. Uh, of course, there is a height limit. Um, nothing inside the ride the track layout and everything is going to be the same. The obviously all the animatronics, um, everything's getting taken out and and put. No, I don't know how much of it's being taken out, but I'm, I can assume about ninety percent of it's going to be taken out. They might recycle a lot of it. Uh, a lot of the animatronics on that ride are already recycled from the uh, shutdown America Sings attraction, um, which is you know, which is cool, which is a cool way to do it. So I'm assuming they're going to be keeping a lot of those animatronics intact for this, right? Um, maybe reskin them, retheme them or something like that. Um, and I don't, we don't really have details on how they're going to do it. Uh, me and my family, we were recently at Walt Disney World and they, at Epcot, they have a new Frozen Ever After attraction, uh, which replaced the Maelstrom ride that they had. I don't know how I feel about the projected faces on the animatronics. I don't know if they're going to do that here. It just feels off to me, but I think if they do it right, it could be good. Um, I don't know if it's going to be old school animatronics or if they're going to use the new projection thing, you know, like also they did it with seven doors mind train over there at Walt Disney world also. Um, so all that stuff's to be determined. No one really knows. We do know it's going to be a party um, through you know, kind of like a Mardi Gras type theme, you know, following Tiana, Prince Naveen. And um, I hope, I mean, obviously the Shadow Man's got to show up. I love Shadow Man so much. He's one of my favorite Disney villains. And I'm excited to see how this ride goes. I think they have so many opportunities for him to pop up. And obviously the last drop, uh, you got to do something with them, right? Like there's no way you can't. But 
Anyways, that's going to be opening at the end of 2024. No one really knows when this version of Splash Mountain is going to be shutting down. Uh, might be at the end of uh, 2022 or at the beginning of 2023. They generally need about 20 to 22 months to retheme and stuff. And since it's not a full, you know, they're not rebuilding the tracks or anything like that. They're not uh, changing the course of the ride or anything. Should be a little bit shorter. So, you know, obviously 20 months is you know, a long time, but they need all that time to, to work on, you know, get everything in there. Uh, apparently they've been working on the animatronics for a while. Uh, so we'll hopefully get a first look at those, you know, next year sometime to be able to kind of see what they look like and, and what exactly they're going to be doing with them. Um, so yeah, I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be great. I think it's, you know, Walt Disney had a really, really great saying, and I think most of us know this, any of us who are Disney uh, fans um, already kind of know this. Um, and it's, uh, sorry, my computer's being a little bit weird right now. And, and it's the idea that Disneyland will never be completed. Disneyland will always, always, always um, be evolving and always be growing. And what he specifically said was Disneyland will never be completed. It will continue to grow as long as there is imagination left in the world. I think a lot of people take that to be physically, right? Like the park's just going to get bigger. They're just going to keep adding stuff. I think it means, um, you know, the stories that they tell are going to keep growing. So Maybe we've outgrown the story in Splash Mountain. So it's time to grow into this new thing. And uh, I think Princess and the Frog is, is a perfect thing for kids to grow into. Um, and I think it's a beautiful story. And I think it's going to make for an awesome attraction. So um, keep your eyes out for that. I love talking Disney Park stuff. So I'll definitely be kept up, you know, keep you guys updated on the progress of that ride. So much Disney stuff. I'm gonna have to do a whole Disney episode because there's a lot to talk about. That I really want to talk about not even Disney news, just Disney in general. Um, might be another podcast. We'll see. Anyways, keep your eyes out for that. Um, that'll be opening at the end of 2024. Uh, let's talk about Minions a little bit. The Minions have taken over the box office. No surprise, right? They always do. It's those cute little illumination guys that are running around uh, Universal Studios and uh, getting into trouble and eating bananas. And there's one uh, named Kevin who I love. He's my favorite one, of course, obvious reasons. Um, but Minions, The Rise of Gru, it was projected. So originally it was only projected to, it was obviously projected to take the box office this weekend, about 70 million. <clears throat> At the rate it's going right now, it is going to be making 130 million by the time the weekend is over. That is almost doubling projections. That is crazy. I think families are excited to get out, to go watch movies, especially 4th of July weekend. People are excited. Um, it's, uh, it's, Listen, I have kids too. They want to go see it. We're going to go see it eventually. But uh, the Minions movies typically do pretty well. Uh, the Despicable Me franchise as a whole has done really well. And this one's just skyrocketing past expectations. People are excited for this. People want to go see it. And I don't blame them. Last couple of years, we've had 
you know, anything to get people out there smiling, uh, bonding with family, things like that. Go for it, man. If it's the minions, go watch the minions with your friends and families. Um, have some fun, go out there and laugh together. It's totally worth it. Um, so yeah, we'll see what it hits, uh, when Monday and Tuesday come around. Cause Monday typically tends to be, especially earlier in the day, a pretty big movie going day, uh, 4th of July. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, and, uh, Top Gun, man, Top Gun is a behemoth. It is still rocking the box office. This thing cannot be stopped. And of course, again, what better movie to go watch around 4th of July weekend uh, than Top Gun? Uh, it's such an incredible movie. If you guys haven't seen it, go see it. But it still continues to dominate the box office. Box office drops tend to be pretty steep on the weeks after it releases. You know, generally you'll see a 40 to 50% drop sometimes from first weekend to second weekend to third weekend. This movie has been holding on strong with only eight, nine, 10% drops every week it is out. It has passed the billion mark, the first time for any Tom Cruise movie ever, which blows my mind. Um, but this movie is still holding on. And what it's it's going to be the movie of the year. It is the movie of the year. It's a fantastic movie. Go check it out if you have not seen it. Um, and give them more money. Um, Elvis is uh, holding on strong as well. Elvis is number three. I believe it had like a 30 to 40% drop, but that's perfectly normal. Um, and that was a good movie as well. So go check that out. Um, and, uh, you know, Buzz Lightyear, Buzz Lightyear, Lightyear, just the movie Lightyear. Um, it's been, I mean, it's not a flop. It's not a flop. It's been doing pretty well, but it's going to be Pixar's lowest rated movie, our lowest uh, you know, earner, uh, ever, uh, which again, there could be a number of reasons we talked about that last week, but, uh, it's a shame because it's a good movie and I feel like a lot more people should be seeing it. So you guys should definitely, definitely, definitely go check it out. Um, uh, let's talk some, uh, TV stuff and streaming stuff guys. So this past, this weekend, as by myself, my wife uh, went with the kids to the in-laws and I had the wonderful opportunity. Uh, it's a movie, but it's on Netflix. Uh, it's called RRR. It's a, um, it's a, a Bollywood movie, just this insane three hour epic, um, epic story about, um, it's an Indian uh, Telugu language epic action drama film directed by ss i'm gonna mess up these names i'm so sorry um raj Mooli. um and it's based in 1920 in india uh, when the british government ruled over india and the uh you know it's kind of these the story about this friendship that starts and then it turns out they have to uh, essentially destroy each other because um but then you know things kind of work out at the end, but this thing is insane. It's three hours. It's on Netflix. A lot of it is in Hindu on, um, on Netflix. They do have subtitles, obviously English subtitles. Some of it's in English too. When the, the British, you know, uh, talk and stuff like that. Um, this movie is insane. It's probably one of the craziest, just beautiful looking movies I've seen in a long time. Uh, the performances are fantastic. It kind of has a really strong uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden hidden Dragon vibe to it. Um, and it's, man, I, I don't even know what to say about it. It's just, 
it's it's almost like a um a, a, you know a um period drama soap opera as well and it's got all these elements but it creates this just this beautiful story and it's just so epic in scale so big so much going on some of the action scenes are just wild guys like just insane um the cgi looks amazing like all of it is just a lot of fun and it's one of those movies you just sit down strap in and watch it that's it that's it if you don't mind reading subtitles and don't mind just the bombastic action sequences and these these epic uh beautiful shots and and just again that's the only way to describe it. Completely wild, completely insane, but totally worth it. It's on Netflix now. It's just called RRR um, Rise. I don't remember what it stands for, but it is fantastic. So watch that on Netflix if you haven't yet. A um, couple things I wanted to mention too before we uh, before we're done here. Uh, so Peacock was planning a series based off of um, the. Kevin Costner film filled of dreams. Now I didn't really know much about this project before, um, but um, now I'm excited and I need it right after it was axed at Peacock. It might be going somewhere else, but um, Michael Schur is behind it. Uh, now, for those of you who don't know, Michael Schur is also, was also the, the guiding force behind Parks and Recreations, Parks and Recs, and um, The Good Place. The Good Place is one of my favorite shows of all time and with him behind it i'm not sure what kind of tone it was going for but he has the ability to mix the drama and the comedy really really well now that i did know because i had no idea that this was even a thing till i found out it was axed uh i kind of want it you know no you know there was some cast announced i'm not exactly sure who um but hopefully that will see life somewhere else and that will um <clears throat> you know find a new home because I'm excited to check that out to see what they do with the the story and the, um, the movie. It was going to be in an adaptation of the movie. I don't know how many of you guys have seen the movie. Uh, Kevin Costner, if you build it, they will come. That whole saying, that's where that comes from. Uh, we'll see where this goes. We'll see what happens with this. But now I'm really, really, really excited for this. Um, so we'll see what happens. One of my most um, worrisome, but my, so my wife really, really likes this show called Women Who Kill, which is on Paramount Plus. I don't know if any of you guys have seen it. Um, I've seen some episodes and it's exactly like it says, it's this anthology series that focuses on the stories of these uh, wives and girlfriends and these you know women who essentially are driven to kill. Um, it's become one of her favorite shows recently, two seasons. I don't know what I should think about that. Anyways, um, <clears throat> it's been canceled at Paramount+. Plus. Um, the show has a pretty big cult following. After she started watching, I kind of researching it more, and it's got some uh, great uh, actors kind of stopped by. The, the new season, season two, not the new, but the newer, has um, Nick Frost from the, you know, um Shaun of the dead and he works a lot with simon Pegg, and uh he's one of my favorite actors working today so it kind of gravitated towards that because of him um but uh yeah it's been canceled at paramount plus i don't know if it's going to find another home we'll see 
we'll see what's going to happen with that. Um, if you guys are speaking of Paramount Plus, if you guys have Paramount Plus, they have a bunch of new South Park stuff coming out. South Park is just ruling Paramount Plus. They have their COVID specials. They have their streaming wars. They have their, their all their episodes are going on there. They made a, they signed this incredibly massive deal with Paramount, uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone to create all these movies and TV shows and, uh, you know, continue doing the show for, gosh, a long time. Um, they have seasons and seasons and seasons to go with these movies coming on to Paramount Plus, things like that. Um, but they are, um, um, but yeah, they're, they have a bunch of stuff going on in Paramount Plus too. Paramount Plus is doing some good things. Um, <clears throat> Same with um, Peacock. Peacock's actually been doing really well. Um, they have a lot of good movies on there right now. They have, uh, you know, Ambulance. I don't know if you guys have seen Ambulance yet, the new Michael Bay movie. It's it's crazy. It's good. It's, it's amazing cast. Um, just it's Michael. It's Bayham to the to the ridges. It's one hundred percent Michael Bay. So check that out. It's it's based in L.A. It's a good L.A. story, and it's just. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is just is just fantastic, and then the rest of the cast is amazing, and it's just bombastic, loud. Um, Michael Bay, it's just Michael Bay doing what Michael Bay does, and if you like that, go watch it. It's free on Peacock right now. Uh, also with the Northmen, Northmen also dropped on there a few weeks ago. If you haven't checked that out yet, you could check it out on Peacock as well as Firestarter. So they have a lot of good stuff on there as well. Um, kind of you know a lot of people were iffy about the name at first, but you know. It's a good streaming service. Definitely check it out. Um, so that's really all I have for you guys today. There's 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 a lot of news. Um, we're getting ready to do some Fourth uh, of July festivities, and I hope you all are going to be safe out there. Be doing, um, you know, be safe, be healthy, take care of each other. Um, hope you guys have some really really fun plans for the Fourth of July. Um, go check out some fireworks. You know, the only Thing about fourth of july this year is that it falls on a monday most of us have to work on tuesday uh which uh, obviously we should be thankful to have jobs but it's going to be a long day tuesday for a lot of people um so what are you guys doing this weekend you guys watching movies you guys checking out some tv shows um you know, let us know, let us know what you guys are doing. And uh, I'd love to, um, you can go to wherever you're listening to this, uh, please uh, subscribe and also uh, rate us. You can uh, let us know how we're doing. Let me know how I'm doing. I would love to hear from you guys. If there's anything I can improve on, anything I can do, or if you guys just like the show as is, let me know. Um, you know, and it's worth, uh, you know, and help spread the word too. So that's always a good thing. So definitely um, like shares, all that stuff always, always helps. Um, oh, one more thing before um, I let you guys go. I just wanted to talk about this real quick because I'm a massive MCU fan and I'm a fan of this actor, but uh, Taron Edgerton uh, from, you know, he played Alton John and Rocket Man. He was Eggsy and Kingsman. He's apparently had talks with uh, Kevin Feige uh, about the MCU. Uh, he's apparently had talks about Wolverine specifically playing Wolverine. I think they could work. I think it's a very, very, I think I, I'm, I'm down. So let's, let's make that happen. I don't know. Let's sign petitions. Let's push something. Uh, who would you guys like to see as Wolverine? Let me know. Um, and I would love to, to chat with you guys about it, but I think Taryn Edgerton would be a fantastic choice. So anyways, thank you guys so much for joining me today. It always means a lot. Um, 
Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. And as always, stay nerdy, America. Thank you so much. Have a good day, guys.